Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Hey, very good Thursday morning to you. Mike McNamara for a Thursday edition of All Marine Radio, doing our uh, open source ops intel brief here. And uh, thank you for listening. And uh, all the people that have uh, sent emails and uh, and, uh, and messages about uh, listening to it. Um, and uh, joining me from McAllen, Texas, only two-thirds of the Mensa brothers will join me today. Jeff Kinney's right at this moment flying from Southern California to the Eastern White House in uh, Las Vegas, uh, where he now splits his time. Um, uh, joining me from McAllen, Texas, Tim Lynch. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Mac. How are you? I'm good. And then from the greater Kansas City area, Will Cosentini. Will, how are you? Great, Mac. Good morning. All right. Good morning. You sound a little faint, Will. So whatever you're using, if you could get it. How am I now? Same. Sorry. Uh, Couldn't tell you. All right. Same setup. Okay. The, um... All right, we'll we'll do our little brief here, and uh, we'll start with uh, just some. Let me kind of do general situation. Last twenty four hours, um, if you follow this stuff on Twitter, which which to me is if if you just want to watch news happen in real time, um, Twitter's the place. Uh, you'll see it breaking as it happens. Um, Canada ends its Afghanistan evacuation op- operations. Uh, the last Dutch evacuation flight out of Afghanistan is expected today. France will end evacuation operations for nationals and Afghans uh, in danger by Friday p.m. Uh, next headline. After President Biden's withdrawal of all U.S. troops by August 31st, the U.S. will continue to help U.S. citizens and residents and Afghans who worked with Americans or are otherwise at risk from the Taliban get out of the country according to the Secretary of State. I'll say my comment on that till later. Um, UK Armed Forces Minister James Heapy warned that there was very, very credible reporting of an imminent attack at the main international airport in Kabul, possibly within hours. Uh, CNN reported 13,400 evacuations from Afghanistan took place yesterday, down from 19 thousand the day before the white house says a slowing pace there is a slowing pace as airlifts enter their expected final days uh from tolo news which is uh the news website uh that uh is the top news site in afghanistan um story about a cameraman beaten by the taliban uh also taliban has asked turkey for support to run the kabul airport um Let's see. And then a Putin's headline from yesterday: situation in Afghanistan is becoming difficult. Uh, another headline: World Bank halts financial support of Afghanistan. So, Timmy mentioned something the other day, as I do kind of the orientation today. That that you know I, I thought about yesterday, um, or last night when I was kind of reading, and that is. Unable to get money out of ATMs, 
right? And and the real problems that are about to ensue in Afghanistan. Um, those are real, no bullshit problems. Um, Russia says it will study the Taliban's actions before deciding on recognition, which I find a little bit curious. Um, there's another, that's from Reuters, another Reuters story. Southern California students and families stranded in Afghanistan. That has got people's attention. And, um, and then also within the last hour, another CNN report, an estimated 150 Americans need to get to the Kabul airport with just 36 hours remaining in the U.S. evacuation operation, that according to sources. So that's a little bit of the general situation. Um, and so we'll let Timmy cover the intel piece of it. Mr. Lynch. Okay. Let's, uh, starting with the greater Afghanistan area. Uh, again, there's not very much news. What's not in the news, but um, but we've been able to ascertain from eyewitnesses is that the Torkum and Spin Boldak gates to Pakistan are closed, locked tight. Um, uh, there is very, very few people traveling back and forth. And I imagine those people traveling back and forth there are, are negotiating officials representing the various sides. So that's that's of interest. Remember, as this started to unfold, Pakistan was letting in 3,000 here, 4,000 there. They've obviously stopped and they're locked up tight. Um, also uh, of interest is that uh, Iran has started trading uh, oil, gasoline, et cetera, with the Taliban. Iranians need dollars. Taliban apparently have plenty of dollars and they need oil. So that's the only um, uh, trade occurring with Afghanistan. I would imagine the borders in the north are closed tight too. I wouldn't know. We can't. I don't know anybody up there. In uh, in Greater Kabul, we have reports that American special forces have indeed been active and conducted three rescues. This includes the uh, 160 people flown uh, across the street to, into the airport. All these operations have stayed within Kabul, and it does not appear that they're going to leave uh, and go look for anybody outside of Kabul. Um, the only border open out of the country right now is Zaranch with Iran, and you've got to travel through 300 miles of open desert to get from the green belt into um, uh, the capital, Zaranch, of Nimrod's province. And so that's a very difficult journey to make. I don't think you're going to see a lot of refugees uh, uh, spilling out that way. Um, we've already covered uh, the lethal, the highly lethal terror attack. I have no idea what 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 that means. It's uh, it seems to me the Taliban have that city locked down pretty tightly. I do not for a second believe they give ISIS any free reign. But then again, we don't know for sure. This 40 parents and students from Cahoon, uh, excuse me, Valley Union School District who are in on special visas from the Department of Defense who considers them allies, I don't understand that at all. I suspect a good percentage of them are Afghan-Americans. Um, but I, I Well, I let, let, me, let me give you a little are. bit of credence for that. Yeah. El, El Cajon is uh -huh. one of the uh, largest Afghan communities in Southern California. Oh, then I, I would so, say they're definitely Afghans. That, that's the only well, thing. Well, no, I, I, I would tell you that they're Afghan-Americans, which will yeah, tell yeah, us course. both means they're Americans. Oh, they're Americans. No, no, no. <laughs> Please don't misunderstand me. I'm getting a little bit, I've been a little bit excited about this, uh, how this is being parsed uh, with people trying to get into the uh, the airport gate. 
And so we move uh, into the airport, but first, I must give you the weather report currently in in Kabul. It is 59 degrees and clear. That means it's heading towards a slow high today or or excuse me, high today, which will be tomorrow in our time is 102. And the average temperature is going to average out to about 92. So you've got a big variation in temperature typical of Kabul because it's very, very elevated. So um, nice in the night, uh, punishing brutally hot in the daytime. At Kabul International Airport, I have the following information that was that was sent to me for distribution to all of uh, the people I had waiting for visas, and this is their verbatim guidance. Gates are closing due to troop withdrawal and retrograde operations. State Department has significantly halted processing any SIV P2 cases. U.S. passports are being accepted at limited capacity due to gate closures. All resources have been exhausted due to security and accessibility issues. Scheduled flights continue to depart from the civilian side of the airport. Um, And one of my applicants that was ready to go out uh, uh, with the Marines actually flew out to Turkey from the civilian side of the airport last night. Um, So that's all we know about the Kabul airport. It appears that uh, things are winding down very quickly. Got it. I, I have a couple of questions, and then, Will, if you have any questions of Tim before we move on to the op stuff. Um, State Department has significantly halted processing any SIVP2 cases. Okay. U.S. passports are being accceptед at limited capacity due to what? – what is that? That is, once again, I think we're, we're, cut, we're slicing and dicing between Americans and Afghan Americans. There's Afghan Americans pouring into that place with friggin' U.S. passports, and they're being turned back now. That, that, the only, uh, the that, only that's, way I, yeah, that's, I, I I had the same question. I don't know how you parse that though, Tim, because if you're holding an American passport, not a passport with a green card, not a passport with a visa, but an American passport, the only way someone can discriminate. Who's an American American and an Afghan American, if you want to slice it up that way, is if you're on the diversity patrol. Oh, John Smith, born Columbus, Ohio. He's an American American. You know, Ghazi, uh, whoever, born Kabul, even though it's an American, that would be the worst kind of discrimination out there. Oh, I am. The only other way to slice it is. Two kids born in the U.S. carrying American passports with their mother who doesn't have an American passport who's got a green card because for some reason she married an American or or with their father, more than likely, and their mother, mother American, two kids American, father Afghan, who somehow was in the U.S., got married uh, and had two kids there. That I could see, but he's not an American passport holder. So, and let's not forget the press screws stuff up. Right. I, I I agree with all that, with the exception of the one case that we that I was dealing with. All of the Amsits, two born in America, all of them were passport holders. I I thought the mother might not be a, might be a green card, but if she wasn't. She had her. She's a full citizen now. They were repeatedly turned back at the beginning of this thing, which you can attribute to confusion. They got into the gate because somebody behind the, from inside there that we were in communication with went and got her and bought her into the gate. 
Now, I'm not saying that this is what's happening. I will tell you this. There are, of course, this is Kabul. There's got to be 10,000 bogus U.S. passports sitting out there. I understand that. I understand that the confusion that permeated the beginning of this thing was worked out. In my particular case, the people I knew, they got in. But what did they just say in that intel briefing? I mean, that is their words, not mine. And and so I absolutely agree with you, Will. An American passport holder is an American. But we know that at first there were problems, and it wasn't just Afghan-looking Americans. It was American-Americans. This YouTube video of this, they weren't allowed in. That got squared away. But now we're saying this. I got a feeling that there's more and more of these people showing up, and, and I, I, I can't explain it. I'm just telling you what, yeah. reporting what I was told. Because yeah. you can't justify it. You can't and explain it. And let me tell you, to me what's disturbing about that is this. When you see a picture, and I think – Tim sent one, and I'll put it, I'll include it in this post of a. Um, I don't know if you sent it or not. No, I think I saw it on Twitter. No, uh, it, no it's I an airplane. It. It, it's a like seven thirty seven, and it looks like there's a dozen people on the whole son of a bitch. Yeah. So it's like, look, if if again, as you wind this thing down, if they have a legitimate American passport and they have a parent, right, or me, send them through. I mean, it's not like we don't have surplus capacity right now. But again, I'm not there. I mean, it could be all bullshit. Well, you know, let me compare and contrast because I'm here. And here I watch a thousand people get busted and flown out of here every day with no papers, no nothing. They've been handed everything that they've been given to them at this side of the border to include cash money. Half of them are sick with upper respiratory disease. We Who knows what that is? Every day they get processed and sent in here. And we've got people sitting outside that wire with approved visa requests. And because we're prioritizing Americans, we're not servicing them. And that's inco- that's unconscionable. I mean, we're letting a flood of people in through our southern border. We don't have any idea who these people are. They don't have papers. They don't have nothing. But but that but these Afghans who work for us that are in danger of getting their heads lobbed off. Oh, we got to be very very careful of how we screen them. Could be a terrorist. Well, and the other I, I, the other thing that, ma- that actually made me chuckle in the brief yesterday is that they're being screened for COVID very thoroughly. Oh, and nobody down here is there. <laughs> right. They're right. not even thinking about testing right. them because they're going to No, I positive. mean, the dichotomy of the two pictures is absurd when you it, put them together. It's, but, it's horrible. But let's not it, get – let's yeah. – let's, Sorry. This is our ops intel brief. We won't go there yet. Um, uh, on the operation side, um, outside of Afghanistan, refugees beginning to arrive at, at host nations around around the world. And as is typical – Right. And why I tell everybody what you see on the news is not the nation that you live in. The outpouring of support in terms of money and and goods for these people is blowing right providers away. Right. As as people around the world want to help. Uh, CENTCOM, the refugee holding sites, evidently because of some stories that circulated on the horrible sanitation conditions. Somebody kicked somebody in the ass and those things have evidently improved. Uh, Kabul International Airport relative to ops, threat of terrorist imminent, it's called. Again, uh, when you get in the intel business, right, I, and I'd be curious to see imminent, right? Look that one up on uh, on the Internet. 
Okay, so get your thesaurus out and, and go look it up. And what it means is that it's going to happen. Okay? And so many times when they trot this shit out, it doesn't happen. So to me, again, the way you look at Intel is who reported it? You know, what what is the source? Is it multiple sources? Have they reported before? Or is this just chatter out there that's reached a din that is conducive to the storyline and helps us get the fuck out of there? I don't know. I'll be interested to watch. And especially with the Taliban ringing the airport. Okay? And so could somebody walk up to the Taliban checkpoint and do something? Yeah. Could somebody snake their way through the neighborhood and do something? Yeah. But again, I, I it, it's like, what are they going to do? Are they going to drop a nuclear device next to the airport? Right? So somebody sets off a bomb so and they kill people. So that means... We're not going to evacuate thousands of people because somebody might kill a few people. I, to me, it's, it's again, it, again, it sucks, but it is the, it is the nature of the beast that we've lived with, right, since September 11th and before 2011. And now it's like now we're all afraid. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I want Will to comment on on shrinking this particular perimeter, and uh, and again, the Taliban have choked off and 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 been consistent about this turning Afghans back whether it's the brain drain whether it's they don't want people that they want to go later kill to leave the country but they have continued to evidently slow the movement of Afghans towards the airport to a trickle and so with that said well um any, any thoughts on what you've seen operationally and 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 talk about the the beginning of the retrograde, and, and and do you have a sense, Will, in terms of, I mean, we seem to be able to move a lot of people in a fairly short period of time, you know, why is this evacuation effort, you know, are we going to be proud because we get out of there on the 29th and say, hey, well, fuck, man, that's two extra days of evacuating twenty thousand people a day. That's not yeah. that's not insignificant. Why the yes, fuck? Why the? What is driving this? Why the fuck are we doing this? So I will see you. The floor. Here's how I see it. Right? What was the mission statement up front? I think it was something like this: Go to Kabul, try to get the Americans out, don't get anyone killed. So we went to Kabul, we tried to get the Americans out, and so far we haven't got anyone killed. And so that's what I think is driving this whole thing, because you saw in the White House briefings on Tuesday, it was irresponsible of you to suggest that there would be any Americans left. On Wednesday, it was, yeah, there's probably going to be some Americans left. And today it's, well, the Americans that are there, they, they're there because they want to stay. So the narrative has been cast. Well, that's what the Secretary of State said. Uh, well, it might have been yesterday he said that. So, well, and, and can so, I can I just interject? Reuters, the know. Reuters, the Reuters stories about the Southern California students and families specifically uses the word "stranded," right? Hey, yeah. J- hey, Jen, here you go. <laughs> stranded. Reuters and, news. And you know the Southern California students. Are remember when we said the good idea fairies? Mm-hmm. The good idea fairies yeah. are going to be pulling these kinds of things out 
but it's pretty clear that the administration has said there's no good idea for ferries, ferries here. We're closing it. And so, again, it, policy is made in this one at a very high level. So the mechanics of it are being handled by, you know, highly trained, highly competent, field-grade officers that are told, insert this amount of force in this amount of time, they get it in there. Extract this amount of force, here's your constraint is the amount of days you got. And so good solid planners are going to be getting stuff out of there and there's going to be a buffer on the back end. And I, I think Tim may have said it earlier. I don't think 31 August is a deadline. I, yeah, I think the deadline is sooner than that. Um, we want to be out. We, we don't want to be closing the door as a Taliban's coming in. And so if you're not doing any processing, it makes it much easier for the logistics planners to get all of this thing done. All the State Department people get out the door, all the internal security people that are marshalling everyone who once they got through the gate, care feeding, work them through the line, line them up in cereals to be able to get on the airplane. All those people can get out of there. They've undoubtedly got a crew that's going through all the equipment that's within the perimeter there of the airport and determining what are we going to blow? Uh, what are we going to try and extract? What pieces need to be dismantled and taken out of here because they're sensitive or highly valued or whatever. So they're going to be going through all of that. Uh, and then the final thing is still sort of intriguing to me because uh in theory, we've got to trust the Taliban, but I don't I don't think you really trust them. And so what does the final evacuation look like? Uh, is there a significant special forces presence that's off-site and helo mobile that's sort of a QRF at the end? Is there a big strike package up there with a couple of tankers that we've communicated to the Taliban? We're going to hold certain targets at risk. Uh, and if we don't get out of here nice and simple on whatever day we're leaving, uh, this is how the pain is going to come to you. Uh, and we don't we don't want I don't believe we want to leave a lot of troops on the ground to go out of there by rotor because it's a long way to everywhere from there. So we want to get significant people out on C5 at three, four hundred a crack on that last day. Um and leave it to some people in the shadows uh, to be sort of the cover force from behind. I think. Uh, and again, I, I, uh, I don't. I don't ever want to let anybody out there think that I know more than the guys there. The guys that are planning this stuff, we know some of these guys. They are sharp operators who are very experienced and got all the tools at their disposal. Just trying to describe the constraints that they're dealing with. Uh, is what I what I think we're able to provide here, but but that's why we're doing this. We checked off the mission. We went. We tried. We didn't get anyone killed. Time to get out. Uh, while you were talking, Will, uh, a series of reports re reported uh, large explosion reported at the Abbey Gate of the Kabul International Airport, confirmed by the oh Pen shit yeah confirmed by the Pentagon. That's where all the uh, that's where all the immigrants are. 
that's that's the one gate they can get 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 through. Shit, that's bad. Let me just tell you, but but it comes with the turf, right? It's and again for us to 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 shut this thing down early because of these kind of threats. I'm sorry, you're talking about it's it's horrible. Some people are going to die, but it should not negate your ability or or adjust your timeline to get twenty thousand people out a day. So, and I hope it didn't. I hope that somebody says, no, 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 no. What you have to understand is here's what it takes for us to get out. And and the timeline was driven by that. It wasn't driven by any other, any other thing. Because again, again, the only thing, the only way is explained is to analyze the mission. Right. No, we we could do the math. I'm being, I'm being, I'm being Timmy today. Right. There you go. I'm being Timmy today. I've already passed through the stages of grief. Well, no, no. I mean, but again. My version of Timmy is people are going to die, okay? Yep. And if we're right. going to if we're going to do the right thing by our partners and allies, then we're right. going to take some casualties, and everybody's got to set their jaw for this. And so, to me, what's one of the things that's most troubling about all of this is that what drives all this is what drives everything: the optics and how it impacts a political candidate. Yeah. Fuck that! Can, I'm so I, fucking I, sick of that. Do the right thing. And if you have to have funerals, then we'll have them. But do the right fucking thing. And we seem incapable of that as a nation anymore. And, it- now, and Matt, there was there was people trying to do the right thing. What I didn't add in my intel brief was the rest of that transmission, which was get your guys to Abbey Gate, have them hold up a sign, which was obviously a, uh, the name of a gunnery sergeant. I won't, I won't repeat the name here. Have him hold up the sign. If they see that sign, the Marines will come get you. So I had four guys right now outside Abbey Gate holding up those signs. If there's an explosion, we got to assume that's a suicide bomber. Remember I was telling you I don't think they can give ISIS free range? That's an that's a ISIS move right there, which right. I think the Taliban will punish if true. The only other guy to be able to go into Kabul with suicide bombers has been Haqqani, and he's on there. He's with the ruling Taliban that's disturbing because the other option is, is somebody that's not one of those individuals that just pissed at us. Well, well also, right. So we've we've heard a report of an explosion. Uh, that's that's true. First report. It could have been a firecracker right. or it could have been a nuclear bomb. Right. right? Uh, that's a good point. Idea. Good point. And to just, you know, Mac, look at Pasaki, the sex state, Kirby, Austin. Or the president. Does any one of them give a fuck about any of you? In fact, no. they look down their nose and sneer when you say this is what the mission is. It, 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 you know, this idea that we need to do the right thing. I know, uh, I know. 1945 is over. I know. I'm being being Pollyanna. What can I say? I believe, you know, again, I I don't want, I don't really want to go here, but, you know, I'm a believe, I believe, like you guys believe, right? You went, you went from three days ago saying there's zero chance of this thing being extended. This is how it's going to be now to... We need to do the right thing. Well, it's no, unbelievable no, no. what FDS no, 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 no. But see, to me, the right thing, <laughs> the right thing in this context is we said we're going to evacuate up until the last moment, right? 
but it looks like now we're going to end the son of a bitch early so we can somehow say, hey, we did this great thing. We ended early. And when we could have been, we could have had another 20, 40,000 people out. But, Mac, they we, already it, said this is the greatest evacuation in the history of the world. They're already touting mission success. Right. And the press, who stood up on their hind legs last week because the pictures were so horrific, are going back to the lapdog and saying, well, yeah, the administration has a point there. They have evacuated a whole lot of people. And, well, it's obvious that the the people that are there, uh, you know, what they're not saying is, well, they're not really Americans. But what they are saying is a lot of them do want to stay there. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is the elite. This is the Washington consensus. And they're arrogant. And I would say something else. They're freaking prejudiced. They look down on those people, those Afghan Americans who aren't real Americans. They didn't go to the Ivy League, for God's sakes, and they don't vote Democrat yet. Oh, they're never going to vote Democrat. Well, yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I saw this in Sierra Leone uh, with the State Department person in charge there. As we were filtering through who the people were that were coming in, uh, you know, the British have at least two different kinds of passport. And one of them is for the uh, Commonwealth, et cetera. And we're supposed to be evacuating the Brits. And the American State Department lady said, said, as we're evacuating people, well, are these British British or other British? And what she meant by that is, are they British British, i.e. people wearing bowlers and carrying umbrellas, or are they other British, i.e. black, brown, yellow, or whatever? Uh, there is a lot of arrogance in these people. Fuck, uh, man. That's fucking And make, they do look Makes down. you want to fucking vomit and then punch them right in the fucking mouth. Exactly. And it's unfortunate. This is one where, you know, if we could go back, uh, well, in 1975, who in the State Department was telling the military what to do? Al Gray was a mute commander. He said, this is what we're doing. People are flying out to those ships. People are coming out in boats. They're pushing Al helicopters Gray, Al Gray ship. was a Mew commander? Yeah, he was. Holy shit. Let me just tell you, man. The more I learned about his life, the more I love Al Gray. And let me just tell you, and, and I go back. And, and so to me, I have a thing that what are you doing when nobody's looking at you, right? Not when, the Mew, not when you're the Mew commander, but uh, in the aftermath of, of the Battle of Getland's Corner, in which India Company, 3rd Battalion, 9th Marine, is attempted to be overrun by an NVA battalion. Butch Neal, who wound up taking over the company as the RDFO, gets flown to Dongha to meet with the 3rd Marine Division commanding officer. He, he reports into him because General Hawkmith, who would later be killed in a helicopter crash, wants to know what the fuck happened out there. And he says that to, to at that time, 1st Lieutenant Butch Neal. And Lieutenant Neal looks at him and said, hey, sir, we did exactly what we were ordered to do. We pushed back on it. In fact, the platoon commanders pitched to Captain Getlin, we don't have to go out there. We'll stay as a company. We'll report three different positions. And, and Captain Mike Getlin says, I don't do that. If that's what. And so they go out there. And so Neal pushes back and said, no, we, we, we did what we were ordered to do. Hockmith dismisses him, doesn't ask him shit about what happened, right? Neil's walking through 3rd Marine Division CP, and a major stops him. Hey, are you Lieutenant Neil? I am. You're India 3-9. Yes. Could you come over to this map? 
and explain to me what happened? Major by the name of Al Gray. The only one who gave a fuck to talk to him. And that was the beginning of a relationship that would last throughout their career. And, and, and again, nobody's watching at that time. Nobody's watching. And, and, that's, and you hear these stories about Al Gray. And you're you, not afraid to tell the truth. Right? This fucking man. And my point of this whole thing is, if this were 50 years ago, and we didn't have the instant communications that we got, you know, we we didn't have press, et cetera, you would hope that Marine Battalion commanders, the, the whoever the task force commander is, et cetera, would be pushing back and saying, we got passport holders, we're continuing to take people out. Yeah. You know, we only got capacity for 4,000 people inside the perimeter here. Well, there's always room for one more, so we got 13,000 people in here. And at the other end of the phone, people are going ballistic. How can you have so many people there? Well, we do. So come get them. Send another C-5. Tell the Air Force that they're not getting 12 hours of crew rest. They're going all the way down to eight. Hire another 50 747s. We actually got the money back there in the Pentagon because we use it. There's a big – if you've seen the Pentagon, there's a park like in the middle of it. In the middle of that, this thing called the hot dog stand where they actually used to serve hot dogs, what that actually is is a furnace. And in the Pentagon, we go in there and throw $100 bills in that thing to heat the Pentagon. That's how we burn all the money. We got plenty of money. Go do it. But that's not what we're doing. And again, the narrative went from you are irresponsible to suggest we're going to leave an American there. Next day, well, we're probably going to have to leave some Americans there. Next day, well, the ones that are there, it's because they want to stay. That's how fast this thing has been spun in Washington, D.C. And I'll tell you, they didn't make that up. They figured it out inside the echo chamber of Washington, D.C., that that was going to play. And that's what they did. So doing the right thing. Sorry. Sorry I brought it up. And, and again, I guarantee you there are some very frustrated Marine uh, n- let me tell you, if, if you if you read the Timmy sent out a story, and I'll include it in the post. Um, it's in the New York Post, and it's about a former ranger back in Kabul, right? And he's on the ground, and these guys at these security points are literally making life decisions, life and death decisions, right? And having to look at civilians, I'm sure who are just absolutely pleading, screaming, crying, right? Right, you don't understand. If you don't, they'll kill me. Right? Talk about having a little fucking PTSD. That's a tough position to be in. Right, and you, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna play God with that. And um, no, and again, I, 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 I believe <laughs> that we'll be out by August 31st. But if we're out by August 29th, fucking shame on us, man. More, more, you know. Again, more shame on us. And and and, I, and, and, I, and, and one more and the last point I'll make is is you know there's an old saying when Marines go out right in town if they don't meet your standards lower them okay and and the standards get lower as you progress throughout the evening okay and that has to do with pairing up with somebody in in the hope that you with your high and tight will actually have sex with another human being so and and I would say that that's what you see here in politics right if 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 success if your definition of success doesn't jive with the optics of the ground, then redefine your definition of success. 
and then everything's good. And that's what Will's articulating. Oh, that. Yeah, they want to stay. Oh, that. Oh, that's different. But we have conducted the largest airlift, second largest airlift in the history of the world. We have done all these great things. We have done this. We have done that. And now what they're going to have to deal with, right, is, and and it's going to hit here, begin to hit here, is the video that's going to start getting posted to Twitter of this suicide bomber. Well, guess what, boys and girls? That's a tough part of the world, and that kind of shit happens. But it will not deter us from doing the right thing and doing what we, doing what we should be doing, which is evacuating tens of thousands of people that were loyal to us. And if some people have to die because others have to live, that is the nature of the beast. And it's it, so anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I want, hey, I'd like to apologize to the American people for even going there. My Pollyanna, um, an update of the report from Afghanistan, suicide bomb explosion outside of the Abbey Gate of the Kabul airport, suicide uh, casualties unclear hours after warning of terrorist attack and asking people not to come to the airport. So anyway, Timmy. Well, the the one thing that you can't explain away is the empty seats that are getting out of there and the rigorous standards to which they're screening this, these people. I do not understand why we can't apply the same standards we apply to Central Americans on the border. And you can't explain that away. The The system was was made to be rigorous on the front end in that it required the senior most American, which in their minds was a CEO type person, on the project to make the recommendations for the projects I worked, they weren't American companies that were contractors. They were British and Singapore companies. I was by definition a senior American, and 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 I and and I've been quibbling with the guys over over that definition as the applicants who are otherwise qualified loiter outside Abbey Gate, and and it's inexcusable to me that we didn't just say, yeah, okay, d- come on in, like the first first 600 who snuck out on that C-17, why we just didn't do that and start filling up the plane. And at least we'd have the moral high ground of being able to say, hey, we took everybody we could. And, and you, you know, if there's bad actors in the group, they're not going to be a majority of them, that's for sure. But we didn't do that. We kept to the rigorous standards, defining the acceptable number of applicants down artificially. I mean, the U.S. company CEO can't recommend an Afghan. They don't know any Afghans. So, so the whole system was suspect to begin with, and I'm just heartbroken, dude. I mean, there's there's people I know outside that gate, and I'm afraid to look at my stupid messenger right now. Yeah, I don't want to go to heartbroken yet. Yeah. No. I, and again, I, it's um, I you know I got a I got an email yesterday saying you know how, how do you guys all cope with this? You guys seem to be able to talk about this, and I my response was yeah we're faking it, right? If we take the governor, we'll send. And I'll have Will tell a story here, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah, you should. Uh, 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 tell a story about the personal shit that goes on when you're here, what you, what you see, right? And um, 20,000 people a day is no joke. 20,000, and if, and if some people have to get killed in that mission, then, then, then that is the nature of the beast. Nobody here is under any illusion that well, we're going to go do all this and nobody's going to push back. We're going to get our we're going to get pushed the fuck around. Fuck that. You know, we we raise our hand and take an oath to support the Constitution and do these kind of things. We're not stupid. We know what harm's way looks like. And it's like we, it's, it's like you watch our government running 
running away from the fact that there might be casualties. Well, fuck that. There might be, right? But, but again, doing the right thing, even before August 31st deadline, is important. But make no mistake about it, right? This shit haunts you. And Will shared a story the other day of one of his Marines that died in Iraq. And do you want to talk about that, Will? Or I don't want to take yeah, you anywhere you don't it, want to go, but... but No, it's... It, it's uh, you know, so... So I took... I, I joined the division in uh, April of 03. So the statue of Saddam fell uh, like April 13th, and I got the division like on the 15th. So I got there, and the war was pretty much over. And spent about a month or so there. And then we went home to Camp Pendleton on Memorial Day of 2003. And I took command of the unit in 2004. Or in, uh, in June of 2003. Uh, sent everyone on leave. Came back from leave. And uh, not everybody came back from leave. So there's a guy, UA. He came back a couple of weeks later. And... Everyone that goes on leave and comes back, uh, you know, you got to take a piss test or you punch positive on the piss test. And uh, so we did the, you know, the normal bust them 4545 and it's a mandatory processing for discharge. And so this Marine's name is uh, Natchez Washington and he's from East Shithole, Oklahoma, somewhere. And uh, so the backstory is. Uh, his mother was a drug addict and his father was a bum and he ended up, um, I think he lived with a great aunt for a while and then she became too elderly. And so he got put into foster care and I believe his foster father had passed away in December or so of Oh two. So he went on emergency leave and got back to Oklahoma the day after his funeral. And so then went on deployment uh, the war's over and his foster mother passes away. And so he gets sent on emergency leave from Kuwait to go back. And he gets to Oklahoma the day after his foster mother's funeral. And so he goes UA and gets back in with his gangbanger buddies and comes back on post positive. And, uh, um, so when I, you know, I brought him in and said, this is what we're going to do. And process for discharge. And, when, and this is a tough, tough brain. Uh, little guy, but tough guy. And uh, goes into the Sergeant Major's office and breaks down in tears and says, Sergeant Major, this is the only thing I got. And so it finds its way up to 1st Mardiv. And uh, General Mattis at the time calls me and says, uh, do you think that he can complete an enlistment and stay clean? And if, if you think that, then I'm willing to give them the opportunity. And uh, I'd never done that for anyone before, never even really considered it, and never had a CG ever suggest it was possible. Um, but hey, if the general's willing to take a chance, so am I. So Washington, I get to know him a little bit because he's doing his 45 and 45 restriction on extra duty, which means when I go home every night, he's out there you know, picking up trash or doing whatever extra duty Marines do. And uh, fast forward, so that's, you know, that's the summer of 03. All of a sudden, we redeploy in February of 04. Uh, he is 
he's a private. There's a junior guy in the battalion, but he's a gunner on a vehicle, which is not the junior position. Junior position is a driver. Promote him back to PFC in uh, August 21st, 2004. Uh, ran over that I think it was probably, might have been a 500-pound bomb. But it was it was a big explosion. Yeah, which is which is which is big. It flipped an LAV, which is about fourteen or fifteen tons. Flipped it over, and uh, so the driver uh, got out, and that's significant because I don't even remember the driver's name because he didn't get hurt. Uh, there was a marine in the back, and Jonathan Gadsden was with First CEB, First uh, Combat Engineer. So they he was attached to us. We had an engineer squad attached the whole time. He got out and appeared to be okay and got medevaced, and he died in a hospital in Tampa about two months later. And I think he had uh, some significant infection that, that ended up killing him. And then the two Marines in the turret, one was a guy named Jason Cook. Cook uh, was a guy that had like nine lives. He had been in multiple incidents over there and came away unscathed and uh, Washalana. And Washalana was able to get out of the vehicle and he was obviously pretty fucked up. And they couldn't get Cook out of the vehicle. And uh, eventually the medevac came in. They got Cook out and Cook was dead. And Washalana's last words reported to me, I wasn't there, were, I'm sorry, First Sergeant. And I only interpret that as, I'm sorry that people got to take care of me as opposed to me taking care of them. And Washalana died on the helicopter, going back to Elkhine. And uh, it's a horrible story because the guy that that had taken him away from his parents was a was a army, I believe, army reserve brigadier general in the judge advocate corps. And he was a local judge down there uh, in Oklahoma. And uh, we were communicated with him a little bit. And Washalana is buried in this it's this cemetery on the back road to nowhere uh and the judge his mother was still alive the judge had interacted with his mother to try and get him buried in the military cemetery which i think is in oklahoma city and uh, she didn't want to do it and uh so she buried him in this place where i thought he was going to be forgotten forever um and interesting on Washington's uh, SGLI, his life insurance. Uh, there's a, a woman's name on there. Relationship, a friend. This is a guy that had no family in his whole life, and uh, and so my daughter. So when we came cross country from Pendleton, we actually drove down there on the way by. We met the judge and went out there. And uh, my daughter lives down in Dallas, and this place is just off I-35, about 10 miles. So when I go down to Dallas, either on the way down, usually on the way back, I stop in there. And what's nice about it is there's some people down that are like, they're not Patriot Guard, but they're something similar to that. And uh, they go out there either on Memorial Day, or I think the lady was out there this year on the 21st. And I'll post a picture on my wife's uh, uh, Facebook page. So... I mean, a horrible story, but those are our guys. Uh, and 
um, yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you when, when, um, when the last Marine unit left Iraq and I, I want to say it was like 2009 ish, uh, the Sergeant major of that unit sent a message out, talked about and sent it to all the Iraq veteran, you know, Marine veterans. Uh, and it was in social media. I think it was on the, the Marine Corps website and everything. And it talked about everything that you did led up to this moment. And it was it was something for me because I was actually on a panel um, and someone asked me, I think, asked me about it. And I told him, I said, hey, look, you know, 2004 when I was there, I got to tell you something. The end was not in sight. I couldn't see it. You know, we got there in 2004. And based on what we were doing, I didn't I didn't see the end of that thing coming around. Um, but by 2009, that war was won, right? It was won. Um, and so I, I, it, it meant something to me. I had a sense of value uh, for that. And is it worth any individual casualty? No, because, you know, you don't. But is it worth it what we did? Yeah, I think it was. Um, and then that got flipped almost immediately. And uh, I'd sort of made my peace with the whole thing beforehand. So I was not necessarily emotional about it. And I've said on the show, talking about this evacuation, um, you know, unfortunately, I know some of the guys from Afghanistan, but I'm not emotionally involved in it. I, I actually don't have skin in that game only being a marine and knowing some of the people but it's very different when you were there uh and you did the medevacs or you had that interaction with the local populace you know your guys skin is much deeper than mine mine is 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 very you know very arm's length at a minimum away from it and I, I think what, and, and I have said, uh, I think, I think on the show, and I think previously, you know, the, to me, the right course of action in Afghanistan was a punitive campaign that we did to start out. And I don't see a lot of value uh, in anything else. And I don't still don't disagree with the policy of the last administ- three administrations, which was to leave. But I got to tell you. It's hard to imagine that we could do it worse than we're doing it right now. And it really invalidates any sacrifice we ask for any of our forces to do. Uh, It's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I don't consider myself any any kind of a pacifist, but, you know, woe be the next... uh, the next leader of the country that wants to go on a war of choice. I mean, unbelievable. It's really, it's unbelievable. And then to see these people and, and the one that disgusts me the most is Kirby. You know, that's a retired rear admiral up there just spinning. And he is, he is the poster boy for the senior officers uh, and, and you see a few of them coming out now, making statements about, well, I was wrong. 
Well, fuck you, buddy. If you're a decision maker, and you know, and and, and the Wall Street Journal had General Petraeus over the weekend with a big, you know, full page interview in the back. Yeah, General he could, he could shut Petraeus, the fuck up. Man. Exactly, Petraeus have enough self awareness to just go crawl under a rock yeah. and go away. Um, so. No, I, I just, I mean, so the person asked, remarked that you guys are, you know, your ability to be dispassionate about this, um, you know, and and my response was, it's not easy. I mean, right in front of me, I mean, we're doing Skype, so I just held up. And you can hear these dog tags. These are four Marines that we tried to save at Hellman and didn't do it. And I think about their families, right, who are going down the same same path that Vietnam families went down. Why the fuck is my son dead? Why is my husband dead? And um, so to do this with this passion is an exercise in self-discipline. And I didn't spend as much time as Tim and Jeff did. Um, but we now have a kinship with Vietnam veterans that nobody ever wanted to have. And I think the sin is... Uh, the people who led us into this, the people who lied about it while we were there, I only hope that they do get drugged through the street. And that is part of what makes me happy these days, is that they're going to get theirs for lying to the American people and for asking people to give their lives on a cause that, that, that they didn't have the the moral courage to tell the truth about from the get-go. And uh, so it is an act of self-discipline that we don't go to this place because... I mean, watching this, and then an August 31st deadline. And now, let me tell you, if you're going to go there and you're not prepared for this eventuality, then why the fuck are you even involved in this? This is serious shit, and they will have a say in it. They won't have a final vote unless you give it to them. Okay? And the update on the stories is there was a second blast. Three, um, evidently, U.S. service members were have been wounded. Uh, to a report that says two people have been killed. Well, let me tell you that. If that's all that this is, then that isn't much in, in, in this spectrum. Is any loss of human life you know, awful? Yeah, it is. But that's not what we're talking here. We're talking about evacuating tens of thousands of people and the United States of America being pushed by this imminent threat of this fucking shit. Well, in the spectrum of suicide bombings, Will was in, Will and I were both in Iraq when I think it was elements of 2-1 were being retrograded as they ripped out with another battalion. A vehicle loaded with six one five two rounds swerves across, you know, Mobile, which was their interstate that ran east to west from Baghdad out to Syria, out to the Syrian border in Al-Qaim and Huseba, out in the west where Will was, swerves across the medium, hits a, a six-by head-on. Blows it up, kills 14 Iraqi soldiers. I want to say kills six Americans and a shit ton fucking wounded. Right? This is rough shit. And if you if you're not up for it, then then don't do it. But this whole this whole idea that we're going to do it without any loss of life, and that's going to drive this son of a bitch. And now this is like oh 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 a suicide bomb. Oh a suicide bomb. Okay, we got 19,000 people out, and now we're going to end this thing two days early because of a threat? Fuck you, man. But I know that I 
uh, I have no right to go there. <laughs> but it's, hey, the world's a rough place, man. You want to do it with no casualties? Fucking go. Good luck in your war game because that's the only place where you don't get any casualties. Yeah, the other part of that, too, is is that we determined when we went there we were only going to play defense. And so if you're only going to play defense, that means you're going to take shots. Uh, and and how's a way to prevent suicide bombing is to play offense. We're going to go out and get these people. This is a secure corridor. We are going to establish. We, But that wasn't the mission. The mission was go, try don't get hurt. And I, I'm not going to do the research because I don't care that much, but I'm pretty sure one of the first questions that was asked when this thing came up, is this a combat operation? And I believe people were saying, no, this is a non-combatant uh, evacuation. This is not a combat operation. Um, well, there you go. Hey, could you, could, <clears throat> a quick question, and then Timmy, you have the floor. Um, what is a sticky bomb? A uh, sticky bomb is is when they they make a bomb and um, they use socks or a piece of cloth. They attach not sticky stuff. They attach they attach them with magnets. They'll use a lot of grease and the magnets to kind of hold the thing in. Magnets, by the way, which they salvage from Dearmo at at Bagram. That's what they use with the old computers for. And uh, those are the sticky bombs. They're generally low order. They used them in the past to blow a hole in tankers so all the fuel would drop out of it. And uh, that's they're not very powerful. As a matter, as, as at least the ones I saw. Got it. Got it. Which was which, and and it would be um, largely confined to something that you could wear, which is not going to produce that many casualties. And again, th- I I only know this shit because I dealt with this shit all the time in Iraq over oh. the course of of almost two years there, right? And you, if you're wearing a vest, right, you're going to kill some people, but you're not going to kill that many. And in this game, <laughs> right, that shit counts. Well, well, I saw the picture you posted from from Twitter of the explosion. That's that's a puny explosion for a for a, a, a suicide bomber. My guys were 50 meters away and they're okay, by the way. And he says, no, he was 25 meters away and not impacted by the explosion. So yeah, I, that's probably about the size of the bomb it was. And, the, and, Normally, and, like and this I goes said, back to my are... point of this imminent threat. Somebody's got to quantify that. Some fucking grown up right. has to quantify that and balance it against evacuating 20,000 people a day, and then prepare people. All right, here's what we think. Our best intelligence is that it's going to be people wearing vests, right? We have experience uh, around this. So make sure people get checked at the checkpoint. You know, at some point, somebody pats them down. I don't know how we're affecting that. We used to use host nation people to do that, like the Iraqi police and shit like that. They used to use their junior guys to do that. And the Afghans did kind of the same thing. And so there's, I mean, it's not like we haven't dealt with this, but somebody's got to quantify this shit because when you see it in the media, right, it promotes this hysteria. What do you think, Timmy, you described for me the bomb goes off, the smoke clears, the bodies get rushed away, right? The dead bodies uh-huh. get pulled over to the side. And then what happens? People go about their business. Exactly. They go right back to that fucking gate because they want to get the fuck out. And then what? Are we running away because we got fucking scared? Fuck that. That's what the, I uh, hate about this shit. The, the, the other thing I want to add is if the Haqqanis or the ISIS uh, K guys, if they were serious about a suicide bomb, and that thing would have taken out about 50 people. If they were, suic- two, if two. They were ser- serious, it would have been a car, right? Uh, yeah, would, that would, exactly. Yeah, if they were yeah, serious. That, that seems to be a hasty act. 
by a poorly prepared individual. Exactly. That's all they I'm trying can't to get anything near the fucking airport. Right. That is an act right. of desperation. If that's all they got, if that's what this is, all right, then that's yeah. what it is. All right, anyway, Timmy? No, I, w- I was just going to say my involvement in this is, is, a, is a little bit different because of my close and habitual relationship with Afghans. I mean, I was, I was often the only American anywhere near where I was. And it's and it's heartbreaking, but I I I'm not I'm not too I'm in operation mode. I'm still looking for ways to make this happen, and I'm not the only one. There's a lot of us who are working together, and we're still frantically trying to get our guys out. The uh, the holding up the sign of the gunny's name, obviously not working, so they're going to be left behind. And 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 the the one of them has a child that's got now a three day old gunshot wound. It's you know I, I and we and there's empty seats going the whole way out. And again, I compare and contrast with what I see right here in my own town. It doesn't add up. And I'm wondering where all the outrage is from all of our, the, the, the men we admired so much growing up that wrote and they signed in, in by the dozens their assessment of, of, of the derangement of President Trump and how he's just not following through and this is outrageous. Suddenly they're all silent about what's happening here. Boy, is that another one of these curious things. And this is, this is, this is heartbreaking for what it says about where our country is today, let alone the Afghans we're going to abandon. All right. The, um, uh, just an update from Sky News. Taliban official says at least 13 people have been c- killed, including children, and many Taliban guards have been wounded in the explosion outside of Kabul Airport's Abbey Gate. Anyway, that, that information will continue to ebb and flow. I want to talk about an email um, here as we kind of wind this thing down that I got yesterday. So um, it's from a friend of ours who listens. Uh, thank you guys all for putting your thoughts out there. Um, he has a link to the, uh, to the Rwandan Leadership Academy um, for us to follow. <laughs> um, and I he know said, who that is. And he says, I'm interested in the next phase. How do we pick up the pieces of this mess? Where is this generation's Paul Van Riper, Mike Nagata or Tony Zinni who will teach these lessons and be unafraid. So um, how does how do we pick up the pieces on the backside of this? What once we unasked Afghanistan and we have some arrangement um, we have some arrangement that uh, that somehow or other somebody else becomes responsible for Americans and I, I don't have any expectations that anybody with an SIV visa will leave the country after we shut down the gates. P- Taliban won't honor that. So um, address this question. How do we pick up the piece- pieces? I, I'm probably the least qualified, and I just want to say one thing because I'm interested, more interested in what, what, what Will would say. Wow, that's, that's, a, that that's a low. Oh that's a God. I had it right there. That's a low. That's a low intellectual. That's a low intellectual bar. All right, we'll hold that thought. We'll try to regain that thought. Will yeah, you? I'm going to come back to. Yeah, I'm circle back around to me back if you would please. I will. Yeah, William. Um, what's the next phase of this? I mean, and really, what you're talking about is American credi- credibility that has been decimated around the world as we go down the path with, oh, we'll get it right in a major power confrontation, though. Yeah, and I, I, uh, it's, you know, I've thought about this. 
Uh, item one, uh, the three of us plus Jeff know a lot of unbelievably great greats. Um, and and so there is there is human capital inside the force, without a doubt. What gets me is is the force as a whole. Um, it's not clear to me that the Marine Corps, let alone the entire defense establishment, really knows what it's done in the last 20 years, right? What are the significant lessons learned about, you know, the all-volunteer force, for one thing, about unit versus individual rotations, about um, what is combat stress? How do you mitigate it? How do you deal with it on the back end? Um, what is training? How do you train people? Uh, what is, what should the force look like to deploy? Does the army need a whole lot of active duty combat forces? Because as, as, as a nation, I don't know that I want political leaders to be able to de deploy more than a division of Marines in less than nine months, right? We may have had it really right before World War II. We ain't got an army that's worth a shit. So you have to get the country to go all in to deploy it. And you have to, so you, you have to, you have to mobilize it, right? You have yeah. to, you have to so, declare war. You have to go through all those steps. Right. Yeah, and I would say those are big things. Uh, there's little things inside the force as well. Um, how many Jim Mattises do we want, if any? Whoa. And this goes back to 2002, 2003 time period versus, you know, or what's the right career path? We've defined it now. Uh and that may be changing because we're on the diversity kick. So you can't, not everyone can fit through those wickets. And I say, I, I won't name their names here, but I know at the, definitely at the Brigadier General, Major General, and, and a lot, and a few at the 06 level, I know some really, really smart, capable, thoughtful, caring guys that if my son was still in uniform, I'd be happy to have them serve in those units. Um, but, but what's gonna make the institution truly look at itself? Uh, because as much as we think, the institution has not done those things. It well, just hasn't. Uh, well, the institution me... has gone from one thing to another and dealt with current ops and dealt with deep, 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 deep future ops. Right. But it's never dealt with uh, what should we have learned at the institutional level, and how do we do that? The um, I think the the greatest problem inside the Department of Defense is the high functioning conformists that become general officers who will not look at people and tell them the truth. That's that's what that's what makes allows Afghanistan to happen. We have too many of them. We somehow have to restore that you will, your first obligation is to tell the truth no matter what the fuck it is. 
and and we just don't, we do not have enough people that that do it. And and Kirby is emblematic of all of that, right? Stand out there and spin and whatever. Now he's a spokesman, but but again, I hope that Congress, you know, holds multiple inquiries into different aspects of Afghanistan and Iraq, and says and say how did we get this wrong? Why didn't more leaders inside the DOD? stand up and do what they say they always will do in their confirmation hearings, which is what? Speak truth to power. Why was that? And now you're going to hear. And But the best part about this is going to be the video that you have, the digital archive, where you're going to be able to roll quotes from Jim Mattis, John Allen, right? Millie, Austin, right? All telling us how great the Afghan security forces are. They're only great when we're partnered with them. They're only great, though, when they had our air support. And in absent of any of that, they folded the nation. So did you were you lying or were you ignorant? Which one is worse? And we don't and again, I remember going to Afghanistan and our regimental commander, who I will not name, downgraded every fucking stoplight chart that was there. And there was this huge kerfuffle from the State Department and from MEF. What are you fucking doing? Answer Um I'm linking it to the truth. What? <laughs> what? What? And so um, it, the truth has got to be the ascendant quality of the leader. Your ability to speak the truth, whether it be about sexual harassment, gender integration, I want the truth. Number two agenda item is always operational excellence. And then where we go from there, we can discuss. But the, it's and, but we don't we don't have enough people doing that right now, today. We don't have enough people doing that. And Millie is emblem- emblematic of it. Um, I don't know how he survives this. But I, I think that is um, taking that inward look. And we got an email the other day from a listener that says, I hope you guys have said what changes a nation. And you cited historical examples of the only way a nation fundamentally it changes the things we're talking about is when it's defeated in war. Right? And we use the Germans as an example of that. Right, and his thought was maybe this, the introspection that will come, right after twenty years of Americans dying over two thousand, after what hundreds of billions being spent there, I know what two trillion dollars being spent on Afghanistan or something like that, I whatever the fuck it is, to come away with a big fat fucking loss. Hopefully, the the introspection that comes out of that will change some of these fundamental problems. And it's going to be painful because people, right, people who we looked up to, people that led us, are going to get drugged through the street. And we've got to have the courage as a nation, as, as a military, right, to, to, to tell the truth about ourselves and to fix it. So that a guy like General Shinseki doesn't get shown the door by a shithead like fucking Don Rumsfeld for quoting the war plan that exists in CENTCOM about how many people you're going to need on the ground, right, to be the custodian of a country like Iraq in the aftermath. He quotes the war plan and gets shown the fucking door. Bullshit, man. Bullshit. So anyway, with that said, Timmy? Well, I remembered what I was going to say, and that wasn't if we were in a similar position in 1975, I don't think we would have any visibility on an up-and-comer like Tony Zinni. Maybe we would, maybe we would not. 
And so you have to trust that in the institution, unbeknownst to us, our junior officers who are going to raise to the to to meet the standards of their, of their okay. Let, let me just ha- let me hack you off. Of, let me hack you off of the yeah. knee, okay? And 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 you, and you know this to be true. Tony Zinni is the exception, right? How do we create the institution? The insti- what what steps do we take, need to take institutionally where the truth is the norm? Yeah, that's that's that. Of course, is the, is the rub. We just we because because you're hoping there's a couple Tony Zinnies down there, but hope is what as far as a plan. Not it's, it's a code. nothing. It's right. not. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, I, so that to that me is, is the cultural thing. Talk we, had, we had the ACMAC talking about we got to create a culture, you know, that people feel comfortable, you know, saying it's not safe. And Will, remember, <laughs> Will's head exploded. God <laughs> damn, as he said. Why don't we create a culture where somebody feels uncomfortable if they don't do their fucking job? Do you not understand that this is a life and death business? Do you not understand that there's real human beings on the other end of these dog tags whose families are going to go to a real fucking grave at a real fucking cemetery? Right? Do you not understand that, that you have a moral obligation to do that? And if you're not up to that, get the fuck out. And how do we change it so that the truth is important, your moral obligation is understood, and you're not afraid? I don't know. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, you know, I've been, I've been gone for eight years now, and I've been away from, from the battalion level for, you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years, and so that's that's a generation. Right. Uh, and when I just think about when I was a second lieutenant, you know, Dave Bice was my battalion commander. Dave Bice was a fucking wire brush flamethrower. And Van Riper was regimental commander there at Ninth Marines, and there was there was a lot of that. And uh, and then Lieutenant Colonel later Major General Bice, um, he was an unpleasant character to deal with. But in retrospect, which I figured out not too long after that, um, he was an unpleasant character to deal with because he had an uncompromising standard. Uh, and General Van Riper, then Colonel Van Riper, same thing at Ninth Marines. Uh, he told you what the standard was. He told you he was going to hold you accountable to it. And then he did it. And it was really unpleasant. And so th- those guys would be considered toxic leaders in the modern Marine Corps. And I don't know that they would survive. Um, so, you know, that, that's something that, that's got to be reconciled is how do you define toxic to being all about me and therefore I'm a psychopath as opposed to uncompromising standard. And look, we saw in that AAV incident that a whole lot of people didn't even know what the standard was, let alone hold people to account to it. And, um, you know, that just doesn't bode well. And if, and and if we can't identify, well, we, I can't, because I've been gone too long, and as of you, but someone in the Marine Corps should be, should be able to identify, you know, the colonel, brigadier general, major general psychopaths that are uncompromising to their standard, to the standard. Um, and I don't know that they're there, and, and... I'd also be intrigued to see, and and here's part of the problem we got too is, uh, you know, 
I don't know the last time General Berger was in Afghanistan as in as in assigned there. But I don't think he was there as a two star. Um, you know, the guys that are the current chiefs uh, were underlings through this whole thing. Uh, so their ability to stand up and say, I was wrong. It's, you know, there ain't a lot there. Uh, no, yeah. and what, what I see, Will, is career management. And again, I use the example because yeah. I, I, I watch it unfold of, you know, General Furness and the whole discipline thing. Not, yeah. no, no, not one general officer said anything about it. It's like, I'm not touching that fucking thing. Like, yeah, and, and I, we all I, know I, it, and everybody knows knew it was a problem, and nobody would say shit. And so that's to include the commandant. And, and yeah, it's just I, you watch it, and you're like, what the fuck have we become? We're, we're afraid. And now I watch this, right? So you're seeing here, – here's just the most recent tweet about the airport. In the midst of a tragedy, another one strikes. Misery upon misery. No shit, man. Set your fucking jaw. Tighten your chin strap, right? We've got another 60,000 people to evacuate in the next, you know, 72 hours, and then we're getting the fuck out of here. All right, boys and yeah. girls? Nobody said it was easy. That's why they sent the Marine Corps, not the fucking Peace Corps. Let's go. Yeah. And I would say, Mac, part, I, a thing that I observed, and, and I think I learned this. If you go into the, uh, you know, those official Marine Corps histories of Vietnam, yep. there's a picture of the Brigadier General when the Marines are landing at Da Nang in 1965. And I think he had like a lay around his neck, but he has got a stone face, unhappy expression. And they asked him, you know, why you're not, why, you know, why, why aren't you smiling? And he said, uh, no mother wants to see the general smiling when her son's going to war. That guy knew he was in the moment. He was in the historical moment. Well, hey, Will, Brigadier. I can't remember Brig- his name, but I could find the picture. Brigadier General yeah. in the 60s, right? Probably a Korean War veteran. Certainly a World oh, War II World War II. World veteran, war II. For sure. Right. For and sure. So, so I observed a lot over time where there are a whole lot of people that don't get it, that you are in the moment right now. This is the historical moment. You are in charge and you are the decision maker. And people that don't recognize that all of a sudden, three months from now, they're going to say, shit, I was at the gate at the, you know, whatever the goofy name gate is at, H. Kaya Airport. I could have brought two thousand more people in there. Fuck the State Department. Or I was the guy inside the airport, and the State Department was telling me this, and I could have told them, "Fuck you! You're working twenty four seven. And oh yeah, you, I see what you're doing. We're gonna have Marines do that. I mean, you can do those things if you are in the moment and understand you're in charge. Um, and, and I want to be very careful of any criticism of the people you know our marine brothers that are there because i don't know what they're doing i i but i I have i have seen that over time and i'll tell you if you're going to spend 25 or 30 years in the marine corps you're going to be that guy in charge at some point in some time and you better recognize it and it might be when you're a lieutenant and it might be when you're a lieutenant general but if you don't recognize that then you're not going to speak the truth when it needs to be said because you don't even recognize this is your moment. 
So, but again, if you're not doing that as a, as a course of daily operations in small meetings, in in call small meetings, calling bullshit, and we're we're going to do this training, saying, "Hey, that's not safe. I, we we can't do that." Right? If if you haven't, if that's not been the pavement of your life, you won't stand on terra firma when it when it when it happens to you. You'll stand there and nod your head like everybody else. All right. Final thoughts, Timmy. Well, you two seem to be where I was yesterday, and I'm uh, I'm I'm now in the calm voice of res- resignation. I am disgusted. The, my final thoughts are: that you can't explain this thing, starting with the abandonment of Bagram. From that point forward, everything has been inexplicable, and and it's been a a, a, a tragic a tragic mess of unbelievable incompetence. And I'm uh, and I'm and I'm heartbroken because I'm still in co- in contact with kids that are outside that gate, and it doesn't look like they're going to go anywhere, but back, you know, under Taliban rule, something they don't even know anything about. They were children when the Taliban were run up. Well, yeah, yeah, I I think that you're going to see a continuation of the line that the the Americans that are there wanted to stay, uh, and that we successfully got out all these other people look at the numbers and you're going to start seeing the media come back uh to the administration on this and there'll be these flare-ups of the 24 students here or the yada 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 there um but but i don't it's hard for me to imagine anything's going to change and then i think you're going to see a little cottage industry um, you know, a couple of weeks, a month from now, as individual soldiers and Marines get back to home base about the things that they saw and what we could have done. Um, but it'll be, you know, in the dark press. No one will give a shit at the national level. And uh, they're going to move on. They're going to move on to everyone's got to get a shot. and Infrastructure. Yeah, whatever the hell else is going on in DOD. Uh, so I, uh, I I remember the glass isn't empty or half full. The glass is broken and it's got a couple of drops of dirty water in it at best. So that's yeah, my view of the future. I, I've probably said too much today. Uh, again, if you if you went into this operation expecting no casualties and expecting this wasn't going to happen, then you're stupid, right? And 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 so this is the way it is, and you had to expect it. And as Tim rightly pointed out, right, they will have drugged the bodies off to the hospital that that were alive, the dead bodies. They will have they will have drugged to the side and covered them up, and then they will get back in those lines because they want to get the fuck out of there. And our job, we said we had until the 31st, but my my instincts is that we'll be done well before that, and we will leave people that, that threw in with us there to fend on their own. And, again, that's shameful. And then we will then we will spin that into a great victory, and we did the best we could, blah, blah, fucking blah. And it makes, it makes me want to fucking vomit. So on that cheery note, um, thank you very much, boys. And... Uh, uh, sadly, we'll probably talk again tomorrow. And uh, appreciate all your uh, all your time. I muted hey. I muted you, Tim, because you were uh, pounding on your keyboard, and that drives me yeah. that drives me crazy. No, I'm I'm still talking to these guys on Messenger. It's 
I'm, I apologize. That's all right. But hey, thanks for having us on, and hopefully tomorrow we'll have good news. <laughs> That's gallows humor. All right. See you, Mac. Hey, cut the tape, and I'll tell you something offline. Yeah, you know you want to hear that. Whatever the hell he's talking about. <laughs> Whatever the hell he's talking about. You know, it's good. Um, thanks for listening today. Um, I was saying that life's not for pussies. And um, that pops into my head. To think that people aren't going to die when you do these kind of things is ridiculous. And you should be prepared for it. And you shouldn't flinch from your moral obligations. Right? Because of the loss of life. As regrettable as it always is. Right? This kind of shit is not for the faint of heart. So this stuff happens. You set your jaw. You tighten your chin strap. And you get back the fuck out there. And you do your shit. Right? So, um rough day but again the opportunity to take approximately 20,000 people out of there and and again I, I pray to God that we don't end early because every day we end early is a day we could have got 20,000 people out of that shithole 20,000 people who depended on us who threw in with us and that's wrong I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. I'm out.